0: um well but hey uh welcome to another uh dinner and a message thanks for being here whether you are here uh live and in person or listen to the podcast later or live stream either way thanks a whole bunch my name is Donnie and I am one of your staff members and I am uh up here masked which is not ideal but uh neither is being a close contact to somebody who's recently tested positive for stupid COVID uh so we call it stupid COVID around here um I reached I I uh, a while ago, I stopped capitalizing it. Anytime I wrote it or typed it, I was like, no, I am not giving it the honor of being capitalized. So, um, so yeah, so I am I am masked up trying to keep us all uh, as safe uh, as possible. And holding a mic like this, I feel like I should like try to do what Brandon did, like freestyle something. But <laughs> nobody wants that to happen. Um, I, um, I do know all of Coolio's Gangsta's Paradise. So... So, I, I have proven it at a uh, karaoke years ago, and just, I don't know, play your cards right, maybe get to hear something. There's a retreat coming up this weekend, who knows what might happen? So, <laughs> um, but hey, our theme this year, and if you've been with us, you know this, it's story time. Uh, if you don't know it, if you haven't been with us, our theme story time. Uh, every year we have a theme, just to give you a little bit of an idea of as far as uh, what to expect uh, when you come in here. Uh, we are using something, I did not think that I only have one hand, so i got to be careful with this now, there we go. We're using this, the Jesus Storybook Bible, uh, as kind of our jumping off point. Now, if you look at that, you may think, dude, that's a children's Bible. Uh, yes, and at the same time, no, because what the Jesus Storybook Bible does a great job of doing is showing, as their tagline is uh, painted over here on the wall, every story whispers his name. Uh, And they kind of got that from what is our theme verse of the year, which Jesus said in John 5, 39, the scriptures point to me. The whole Bible is about Jesus, okay, the whole thing. And what the Jesus Storybook Bible does, um, honestly, I don't want to say better, but maybe more obviously, maybe more explicitly than a a traditional Bible, uh, is it points that out. We have been hanging out all this semester in the first part of the Bible. Sometimes it's called the Old Testament. I don't like calling it that because it's still very relevant. And the Jesus Storybook Bible does a great job of showing how relevant it is because the last little section of every story in the Jesus Storybook Bible that is a story that's set before Jesus or a story that happened before Jesus, not set because set makes it sound like it's made up and it's fiction and it's not. It happened. So it ha- all the stories that happened before Jesus... Um, they do a great job with the last couple of paragraphs of being like, and this points to Jesus because, and it's fascinating. You should absolutely, um, I think, get a copy of it yourself and read it. It's really, really good. So we're not looking at stories in the Bible, okay? We're looking at the story of the Bible, and there is a difference because it might it might be easy to think that the individual stories are different and um, maybe aren't related. But when you talk about the story of the Bible, then you're talking about the story of Jesus. And that's what we've been doing uh, all this year. So I'm going to pray, and then we are going to continue doing that. Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. Uh, I just pray that you would uh, slow me down and say what you want to say tonight uh, through me. And I pray for each of us to hear exactly what you want us to hear. Uh, God, we love you. We thank you for Jesus. It's to his name we pray. Amen. Uh, Many of you know this, Uh, some of you this will be brand new information, Uh, campus ministry was not the plan when I was a student at UGA, Uh, teaching middle schoolers uh, math was, and so I did that for like a decade, Uh, taught middle schoolers math and science, Um, it's a fascinating world, the middle school world for sure. Um, But the last school I taught at, I taught there for a little over seven years, and very often, I don't want to say like every Monday or even most Mondays, but very often when we would be outside for recess, yes, I taught at a middle school that gave middle schoolers recess because middle schoolers need recess. You know who else needs recess? College students. Have some fun. Play. Go on retreat. It's going to be fun. Even if you don't go on a retreat, which you should, play. Have some fun. But we had, we had recess, and this was also an interesting middle school because fifth grade was part of middle school because it was, it was a private school. It was kind of weird. But so fifth and sixth grade kind of did everything together, and so fifth and sixth graders were out at recess together, and so the fifth and sixth grade teachers, we were all out there. And many Mondays, a teacher would come out and just be like, whew, y'all, it has been Monday all day long. You know, this is, this, and this is very different from the office space. sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. Don't say that. Nobody wants to. And if you don't know what office space is, how are you in college? Um, but it's a fantastic movie. You should watch it. Um, but it was, it was just like, Bleh. And maybe we can identify with that, you know, when you're like, yep, had a Monday like that yesterday. Or maybe you're like, I had a week like that now. Or maybe it's more like the Friends theme. It's like, it had to be my day, my week, my month, my year. Um, I, I recently just heard, heard one of our alums say that um, midterm month started when they were a senior, and they graduated several years ago. So it used to be midterm week, but now it's clearly midterm month. But you, you know this, right? When you just have those seasons that are just kind of bleh. But what's interesting about when a teacher came out, and there were usually six or seven of teachers on, on recess duty, if somebody came out and said, it has been a Monday, by the end of recess, it had been a Monday for multiple other teachers as well. Which maybe you hear that and you're like, oh, that's cool. The first teacher came out and they were, and they were honest, and their, their honesty gave other people permission to be honest. No, that's not what this was. This was Misery Loves Company. This was your complaining, sounds fun. I will too. Okay. Because you know this. This is not new to you. The voices that we hear impact us. Okay, the voices that we listen to impact us. So kind of our our central question tonight, and if you're new, this is something I like doing, is give us a question to think about throughout the night because questions kind of stick with us. So hopefully this sticks with you beyond tonight. But our question tonight is whose voice am I following? Okay, whose voice am I following? Because what we're going to do tonight is look at, and kind of talk through those those hard seasons of life, whether it's a day, a week, a month, or even your year. And I think this will be helpful because we do need to acknowledge that life is hard. Jesus acknowledged this. In this world, you will have trouble. Jesus said that. But I think tonight will be useful because I want to give us some strategies to walk through those hard times. Because right after he said, in this world you will have trouble, Jesus also said, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So we're going to acknowledge that things are hard, but we're going to talk about walking through those as opposed to setting up camp in them. Now, oftentimes when somebody that does what I do for a living stands up and starts talking about this, yes, life is hard, but here's how we can, you know, deal with it. Oftentimes it's easy because I did this to think, well, yeah, easy for you to say because things are going great for you. And, yeah, a lot of things are going great for me. I have this really cool family. They're back there. You should meet them, my wife and two daughters. They're awesome. Um, but everything hasn't been going so well recently, to be perfectly honest. Now, I want to be very clear with something. This is not a who-has-it-hardest competition competition which is something that people like doing, what I found, and I haven't heard as much of it recently, but college students oftentimes like, who's the, who's got the most stress? That That's the competition I hear, which is usually, y'all pray for me. I got two tests next week. And then you're like, two tests? Pfft. I got three tests and two papers. That ain't nothing. I got 17 lab reports, 14 essays, and 32 tests. Oh, yeah, I got to teach all my professors' classes because they just didn't want to go, but they told me to do it. Some of that's hyperbole, some of it's not. But, but it's not a competition. But we, we do that, we like, like, whose life is toughest? We have this competition for some reason. And we never compete just with ourselves. It's always something as a result of what we're hearing, whose voices we're hearing. So again, I want to ask us, whose voice am I following? Because a really big problem with the who has it toughest right now debate, argument, whatever is, it causes you to focus on the negative. Because that's how you win, is focusing on the negative. People oftentimes like to complain about toxic positivity. But I'm telling you right now, toxic negativity is way worse. It's more contagious. It's just worse. And, y'all, I have, it, it impacts people in powerful ways, surprisingly, negatively. I have seen it, and not to put too fine a point on this, I've seen it in this room. Okay, I've seen people come into this room on Thursday nights or other nights of the week and be feeling good and then hanging out with people for a little while who aren't feeling good. And the next thing you know, the person who leaves, who came feeling good, leaves not feeling good. It happens. So this is not, I want to be very clear, this is not that. Because it might be easy to think, oh, well, that's what somebody who's everything's going great for and would say is that, you know, we got to be, we got to err on the side of toxic positivity. Well, let me just tell you about how not wonderful things have been for the last two years okay here's some pictures top left that is my grandmother and me if you ever wonder what high school donnie looked like that's it that is high school graduation uh saturday will be the second anniversary of my grandmother's death uh october uh october 22nd uh 2020 uh she passed away she had a stroke she was almost 98 um so, yeah. A few months after that, uh, top middle, that's my Aunt Jeanette. That's, uh, that's us playing some card game. That was the picture. If you follow me on Instagram, you've seen all these pictures already. Um, that was us playing some card game because we always played games. And when I was four, she didn't let me win. If I won, great. But then she'd be mad and want to play again, which is hilarious watching a grown adult like wanting to play with a five-year-old again because she wants to make sure she wins. But that was her. Um she uh, she also had a stroke. Uh that eventually took her life. Top right, um July 3rd, 2021. Uh that's my friend Angie. Uh Angie's just a couple years older than me. Angie had a heart attack. Uh I was actually in the cardiac ICU room uh when they turned off all the machines and she was gone bottom left that's uh my uncle mike he passed away uh six years ago that's my aunt betty she died this past january uh that is mia santa um but that's my aunt betty she passed away january uh, 31st of this year and uh this last one that is i guess technically my stepfather-in-law but he just he was just granddad to everybody that's lexi he's holding she's 14 now so that is obviously a very old picture Uh, He passed away in March after a battle with Parkinson's disease. So in a year and a half, I lost five people very close to me. So the last two years have been tough, and that doesn't even include the fact that um, Beth's dad had a stroke. Uh, My mom's been in and out of the hospital with lung and GI issues, and a couple weeks ago I spent four hours in the middle of the night at the ER with my dad because his blood pressure spiked. Now, some of you right now are thinking, dang, Donnie wins. And others of us are thinking, I can beat that. Both of you are missing the point. It's not a competition. I show you those pictures and tell you those stories so that not to compete but to relate. Just so you understand that all this stuff that we're going to talk about next, I'm not just saying it from somebody who's got everything figured out and everything's great. I say it because I've been there. I am there. I know that life is hard, but I also know the way through those hard times. So what we're going to do tonight is look at probably one of the most famous chapters in the whole Bible. Uh, It's in a book called Psalms. If you're not familiar with the Bible, Psalms is the longest uh, book in the Bible. It's 150 chapters, and each chapter is uh, a prayer or a song or a poem of some sort. Um, If you take a hard copy Bible and open it in the middle, you're probably going to end in Psalms. And I read this, this uh, recently, I guess this week, um, in a commentary. And if you're not familiar with how Bible nerds like me study the Bible, one thing you do is you get these books called commentaries that people who know a whole lot more than you have written and, and are giving their take. Now, here's the thing about commentaries. Some people that write them should not have been allowed to because it's just like, woohoo, nope, not right. And other people write them, it's like, dang, that's really good. So be careful. It's not the Bible. It's about the Bible. That's an important distinction. But these two guys uh, that wrote this one commentary about psalms wrote this about the psalm we're going to look at. The sense of the entire psalm is that of a calm assurance and abiding trust, all the while alert to the reality of threat that is kept in check by the faithful God. The poem is a clear statement of how the God of Israel functions decisively to counter all circumstances. So what they basically say is that, this, this psalm, this poem, isn't about avoiding threats. It's about acknowledging them. It's not about dismissing them, pretending they're not there. It's about acknowledging them. And it's about going not around but through those challenges. Okay, and this psalm is, is Psalm 23. Uh, I'm going to read it to you from a more traditional Bible translation, the English Standard Version, and then I'll read you the Jesus Storybook Bible Version, and both will be up there, so feel free to follow along. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, the Jesus story of the Bible puts it this way. God is my shepherd, and I am his little lamb. He feeds me. He guides me. He looks after me. I have everything I need. Inside, my heart is very quiet, as quiet as lying still in soft green grass in a meadow by a little stream. Even when I walk through the dark, scary, lonely places, I won't be afraid because my shepherd knows where I am. He's here with me. He keeps me safe. He rescues me. He makes me strong and brave. He's getting wonderful things ready for me, especially for me. Everything I've ever dreamed of. He fills my heart so full of happiness I can't hold it all inside. Wherever I go, I know God's never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love will go to. Now, uh, this chapter is different in some ways, but very very much not out of the ordinary because it compares God's people to sheep. And this is done throughout the Bible. Okay? From, probably from the very first book on, you see a lot of times God's people being compared to sheep. So I want to ask y'all, what do you know about sheep? They go bah. Go very good. <laughs> Really dumb. What? My dad thinks I'm one. Okay. let mm. Okay. Let's, <laughs> let's stick to the actual animal sheep because yeah, we can, go, we can go all sorts of places with that. Okay. They what? They just roam away. Okay. <laughs> well played. I did. I did. All right. Are they good at anything? Eating grass. Eating grass, making sweaters. Somebody said following. Y'all, I have seen a video of sheep going through like a chute into a corral and there was, there was like a, a, a board or something put across and all of them jumped and then they sh- pulled the board out and they kept jumping <laughs> because the one in front of them jumped. So, okay, so here's the two things I heard. I heard a lot of things, but I heard they're not too bright, but they're really good at following. Maybe that's why uh, the Bible compares God's people to sheep pretty often. Because sometimes we're not too sharp, y'all. But we're really good at following something. Maybe sometimes the right thing. But, I mean, uh, we're not, we, we don't just follow. Really? Really? Okay, you're at Baldwin Street during class change, and you're like, man, I wish this light would change, and somebody decides they're just going to go ahead and start walking. Okay, I guess we're going now. I mean, don't even look. I mean, that's just what we do. We're really good at following, so I think that's why the Bible compares us to sheep. So, a psalm about us as sheep and God as a shepherd makes sense. Okay, so that's that's going to be where we're really focusing tonight. But I want to I want to fast forward a little bit, which is what the Jesus Storybook Bible does, because they talk about this idea that one day, that psalm was written more than likely by a man named David, and it says that one of David's ancestors is going to come to earth and is going to be the good shepherd, and that's a reference to Jesus, and it's a reference to something that Jesus talks about um, in John ten, when he calls himself the good shepherd. So check this out. We're going to skip around a little bit. This is a really long section of text. I'm just going to hit, t- come. A, I don't want to say some of the highlights because it's all really important, but the parts that are relevant to tonight. So here we go. Jesus speaking. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man's a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Then Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly, because I am the good shepherd. My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. When Jesus starts talking and he says all this stuff about sheep, it doesn't. we, we might not get it, but the people he's talking to are like, oh yeah. That's what sheep do. They follow their shepherd. Their shepherd calls her name, and yep, they they follow. That, that's what they do. And then Jesus calls himself the good shepherd. says the same is true of his sheep, that they follow him because they hear his voice. They follow his voice. So again, whose voice am I following? I think this question is sometimes the answer to another question that we find ourselves asking. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you're like, how did I end up here? Like, how? What, what happened that I ended up here? It was probably a result of whose voice you were following. How'd you end up focusing on the negative stuff? How'd your Monday that wasn't so bad all of a sudden end up being lousy? You are following somebody's voice. Now I know that the the, the thought there, because I had it when I was typing this, was okay. Yeah, I mean, we're, I know we're not perfect, but you know, those of us that that are trying to follow Jesus, that we you know we claim to be Christians, we are really trying to follow Jesus. And my question to that, and if you don't know me too well, this is going to sound like a jerk question. If you do know me well, it's still going to sound like a jerk question. But hopefully, you know I'm not a jerk. Um, My question to that is, I mean, really? I mean, are you really trying to follow, or is it more like I'm keeping an eye on Jesus over there, but I'm following somebody over here? You know, keeping an eye on where He is, but following somebody else. I mean, oftentimes when we find ourselves in that how did I end up here moment, the person whose voice we followed to end up there is nowhere to be found, gone. Jesus will never, ever do that. He never leaves us. He never leaves us. Both the English Standard Version, which is the traditional Bible uh, translation that we read, and the Jesus Story Bible talk about Him being with us, even through the valley of the shadow of death of the dark, lonely places. Okay, so Psalm 23.4, back to that one verse. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. What words jump out at you? What words really get your attention there? Shadow of death. Shadow of death. That sounds like a fun place to be. Okay, what else? Fear. Valley. Valley. There's one more that's really not a good word. Evil, yeah. I mean, so in that, like, look where, look where our minds immediately went—the really hard things, right? It's just like, oh, valleys and shadows and death and evil and fear. It's like, okay, I will fear no evil. So that's good. But it's just like, that's tough. But I want you to pay attention to a word that I think is hugely important. It's the word "through." I think it's the most important word up there. Here's the thing. I think. I guess letter for letter, prepositions are the most important words in the English language. Because think about the difference in somebody talking with you, somebody talking to you, and somebody talking at you. Prepositions make a world of difference. And that, that through is hugely important. Because the, the writer of this psalm didn't say, even though I'm camping out in the valley of the shadow of death, even though I'm sitting down in it and just like, well, guess this is where I'm going to be for a while. We're walking through it. Okay, we don't sit, we don't lie down, we don't set up camp, we don't stay there, we don't get comfortable. We walk through if we're listening to the Good Shepherd's voice. But again, we have to ask ourselves, whose voice am I following? Y'all, it was really easy when I was teaching for some, on some of those Mondays to just get sucked into that valley of the shadow of Monday. But I, I can guarantee you Jesus didn't lead me there. The voice of another did. And so when I was driving home on those days, wondering how my day that started so well and was so good, like up until lunch, all of a sudden just tanked. Like, what happened? How did I end up here? I'd ask myself. And then I look around and the person whose voice led me there, nowhere to be found nowhere to be found. But Psalm 23 is very clear that Jesus is with us while we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, I'll be honest, it'd be nice if He was with us while we walked around the valley of the shadow of death. It'd be kind of nice. But keep in mind what He said, in this world, you will have trouble. So again, our question, whose voice am I following? I want to I make sure everybody realizes this is not a typo. I did not mean to type whose voice am I listening to. I typed following on purpose because a sheep can hear the shepherd's voice and wander off, like I think Andrew mentioned, or just be like, nah, I hear you, but I'm going to hang out. I know you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, but I'm going I'm to chill here. We can do the exact same thing hear Jesus' voice, but if we're not following and instead we kind of decide to set up camp in the valley, well, problems are coming for us, just like problems come for a sheep that doesn't follow its shepherd. Now, I want to be very clear about two things I am not saying. I am not saying if you pray enough and read your Bible, there will never be any trouble. That is anti-gospel. That is anti-Jesus. Because Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. But I also don't want you to hear me saying, well, that valley is just your life now. Just get comfortable because that's where you're going to be. Because that also is anti-gospel and anti-Jesus. Because Jesus said in that whole good shepherd thing, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly So maybe we ask ourselves, how? How do I have this abundant life? What do I do? How do I, how do I not set up in those in the camp in those valleys, especially the ones that I feel like I've been in for a long time? How do I walk through? How do I make sure that at the end of the day that I'm sure was a lousy day, I have the, the wherewithal and the introspection and the guts to look at it and be like, well, was it a bad day? Or were there five bad minutes that I let ruin my day? Th- that's how you set up camp in the valley of the shadow of death. You tell somebody you had a horrible day and they ask you to explain why it was so bad and you've literally got one thing. Somebody cut you off in traffic and so you had to sit through that red light one more time and it ruined your whole day. So what do we do with that? Well, we practice something called the discipline of gratitude which Paul mentions. Paul is one of the first ever Christian missionaries, told a whole bunch of people about Jesus, wrote a bunch of letters. And in a letter to people that are called the Thessalonians, they lived in a city called Thessalonica, he said, give thanks in all circumstances. And we're like, all circumstances? Yeah, that's why it's called the discipline of gratitude, because it's not easy. But y'all, if we will express gratitude for what God has done for us, That will change your life. Now, I'm not talking about just being grateful. Oh, I got lucky there. I'm thankful that happened. No. Direct that thanks to God. A man named James, who was one of Jesus' little brothers, uh, wrote a letter that we have near the end of the Bible. And in it, James said, every good and perfect gift is from above. If it's in your life and it's good, it's a gift from God. Three of my best ones are sitting back there. If it's in your life and it's good, it is a gift from God. There is always something to be thankful for. Y'all, when we say things like every cloud has a silver lining, when we say things like when life gives you lemons, make lemonade, when, we say, when, when the boys from Monty Python say always look on the bright side of life, what all of those cliches are saying is there is always something to be thankful for. There is always something to be for. To finish the sentence, thank you, God, for. Because these two years that led to all of these folks passing away is also these two years. Two more anniversaries with my beautiful wife, baptizing my oldest daughter, starting a fantastic family tradition of putting up our Christmas tree. 100 days before Christmas. We started it in 2020 because, let's be honest, all bets were off in 2020. Do whatever you want to do. And we had so much fun doing it, I'm like, yep, doing it again. So that's a family tradition now. My parents celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary and four CCF weddings that I got to officiate. One of them this past weekend. That person over there, if you can't see it, that's Brooklyn and Davis. The clouds literally parted for that wedding to happen. There was a crazy storm. It was terrifying. But y'all, all all those pictures, all those people that I've lost, all those things that I've mentioned in those two years, all of this has happened in that same amount of time. And to love this is not to dismiss the hurt from the pictures right before it. To love this to honestly tear up more looking at these pictures than, than I did looking at the sad ones. It's not like I'm forgetting those people that I've lost in the last two years by being thankful for this. Something happened in culture at some point over the last few years. It used to be, you know, chin up, stiff upper lip, don't let anybody see you cry. You can't be sad. And we have now finally realize that that's stupid and we need to be open and honest with our feelings. But now we've swung so far to the other end that now it's like, how dare you show that you're happy? That pendulum swings, not good. Like extremes, not good. It's okay to be happy. tons. Tons of psychological and sociological studies have been done that show people who express gratitude, express it, not just act like they are, you know, not say they're grateful when they're asked, but express it. They're happier. They just are. And if you're following Jesus, you know to direct that gratitude at God and to give Him credit for it and to tell Him thank you. So let's spend some time right now. Let's get happy. What are you thankful for? What do you want to thank God for? Cat, yeah, your brothers, friend. friends, parents, Minecraft, Minecraft. <laughs> <laughs> yay! Yeah. All of these things, these are gifts from God. Okay. I, 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 know, I know Andrew well enough to know that he wasn't bragging that he got in. He's thanking God that he got in. I sure know Brandon well enough to know that he's not bragging about 13 weeks that he is absolutely giving God credit for that. When you give God credit for things, when you're thankful, y'all, it really does. It just it changes everything. I, I've got a gratitude journal. Every morning, 10 things that I'm thankful for. I started it. I look back. This week, I started it literally six months to the day before my grandmother passed away. Okay, April 22nd, 2020. A time when there was so much to be thankful for, right? Because yes, there was. Because there always is. Now, y'all, I'll be honest with you. Some mornings, it's pretty hard to come up with 10 things. Sometimes it's just struggling. Well, when, you're, when I'm struggling, coffee makes the list a lot. I mean, it really does. But it's such a great way to start my day. I I haven't missed a day at all. Now, some days I've done it later. I am a different person the days I do it later than the days I do it within the first 30 minutes of being awake. I mean, seriously. Maybe you're like, I don't know about a gratitude journal. Okay, let's start with something simple. And this one, you're going to be like, how can we be thankful for that all the time? But here we go. The weather. Okay, it was gorgeous outside today. You're like, yeah, but it was cold. Yeah, it was cold. You know what that did? It killed all the mosquitoes. So there's that. Okay, but maybe you're like, okay, Donnie, but what about the rainy days? (laughs) You don't know me too well if you're asking that. I love the rain because the rain is a reminder that God renews things, that God replenishes the earth, that God nourishes. Okay, all right. What about those days where it's not rainy, but it's like super cloudy? I used to struggle with these too. But then my mom reminded me that in the first part of the Bible, a cloud was always a sign of the the presence of God. My mom loves, yeah, moms are smart, y'all. My mom loves cloudy days because it reminds her that God's right there. And so you're like, okay, Donnie, you just covered like pretty much all of the types of weather. I mean, are you telling me you see God working through everything? Uh huh. Romans 8 28. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Those who have been called. Now you have to respond to a call, you have to listen to a voice, but not just listen. Whose voice am I following? The reality is, I didn't ask you, are you following somebody's voice? I asked you whose voice you're following because we're all following somebody's voice. Not me, Donnie. I'm my own person. Okay, then you're following your voice. How's that working? For me, it does not work out well. We all follow someone's voice. Jesus is the only good shepherd, so why not follow his? And I'm telling you right now, you will hear Him better when you're more grateful, when you will express gratitude to God for the things that He has done. Because I can tell you, without a moment's hesitation, that Jesus will lead you through the valley, not just of the shadow of death, but of death itself. He will lead you through it, if you're willing to follow Him. So may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm done anyway, and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all as we follow the voice of the Good Shepherd as He leads us through the valley of the shadow of death. Let's pray. God, thank You. Thank You that You are always with us. Thank You that even as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, We have no need to fear evil because you are with us. Thank you for that. God, open our eyes to see just the thousands of things that we have to be thankful for every day. God, thank you for being our good shepherd. Thank you for... Thank you for leading us. God, give us ears to hear your voice and then the courage to follow your voice. We love you. We thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray.